realised the car's rolling into the car in front of us. So he's shouting, bro, grab the handbrake, grab the handbrake. Here I am. I'm grabbing the gear stick. I'm wondering why the car isn't stopping. <laughs> he said, bro, the handbrake. I'm like, yeah, grabbing the gear stick. The way the boy hopped through the open door back into the car. So hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Successful Failures. If you're new, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Almina. And in this podcast, we just try and inspire success from the lessons of failure. And we are very, very excited for who we have today. Yeah, so today we are so happy to introduce Tony to our podcast. I don't even really know where to begin in terms of like describing everything that he does. And I'm sure that I'm going to miss something out. But for what I know, he graduated earlier this year from Cambridge with a first and then also got a scholarship on top of it. He is a future um, trainee at Clifford Chance. And to be honest, I think we could have him on the podcast just for that. <laughs> but I know that he's also writing a book at the moment. He is building a startup. He's also been on um, the podcast with Rick Lewis and man called the mentor which is so good after you listen to this episode go and subscribe to the mentor because it's such a good series um i think you've also um been a delegate for the youth uh g20 summit which is crazy and he's also met michael b jordan um so for me that <laughs> that, that takes the cake um but thank you so much tony for coming on the podcast and tell the listeners a bit more about everything that you do yeah for sure like first of all thank you for having me um, you guys are actually smiling, so um, it kind of beats Rick. Sometimes Rick, sometimes I call on, and, and Rick's already Rick's already frowning. I'm like, oh, what did I do this week? Um, but no jokes. Me and Rick have a great relationship, and I'm grateful for everything he's done. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah. To be fair, every time I have to introduce myself, um, I probably forget some things, um, and that's not because I've done a lot. It's just because I'm a forgetful guy. Um, but yeah, I think you pretty much like summed it up. Um, right now, really focused on on building Nomad, um, my startup. Um, we just finished raising funding. It's a, it's a really exciting process. Uh, it's crazy. You'll be like pinching yourself that you know someone's made the mistake of giving a bunch of like 21, 22 year olds some money to go build something. But it's it's an exciting process. Um, yep, yeah, as you said, we just continued or just finished with the with the G20 summit, which is a really exciting process in terms of trying to think about how we can basically better prepare people like us for the for the future of work one that uh is probably going to be filled with a lot of failure um and automation to be honest if we can even find jobs in the first place um and yeah there's loads of different different side hustles i'm on but um yeah that's that's kind of how i keep busy love to see it um yeah so i guess kind of the first question we kind of ask everyone coming onto the podcast just to get the conversation going is what have you failed at this week so i mean tell me what have you failed at this week uh, why do you have to start with me <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah okay so the main video that i can think of this week was that in summer i was trying to read a book every week mm-hmm. and like ever since the start of lockdown and I actually managed to do it for a while, yeah. um, but this week it just, I mean, actually, no, this has been like a month long failure, but for the past <laughs> like month or so, it's just like, yeah, it's unraveled um, because it, like, it's so hard to like, cause also I study history. So my course yeah, is yeah, already yeah. like very reading intensive. So it doesn't feel like a break to then go and read. 
Um, but yeah, that's what I lagged at this week. But Tony, what have you felt at? Do you know what? Like this is this week has been like full of kind of profound failures. Like huge wins. Some of the hugest wins in my life, but <laughs> profound failures. So um <laughs> earlier this morning, I won't even explain why, how, whatever. But like around like 2 a.m. this morning, my friend was trying to park. Oh, okay. So basically we went to Cambridge for an essential business meeting that we had to do. And then we tried to drive home. We didn't realize that the M11 was closed. So there was no way out of Cambridge back into London. So we now drive back in, park the car. But (laughs) both of us were so tired that he, he got out the car and didn't put the handbrake on. So the car is, so I'm just sitting in the passenger seat and the car is just rolling. And then we realised the car is rolling into the car in front of us. So he's shouting, bro, grab the handbrake, grab the handbrake. Here I am, I'm grabbing the gear stick. I'm wondering why the car isn't stopping. <laughs> he said, bro, the handbrake. I'm like, yeah, grabbing the gear stick. The way the boy hopped through the open door back into the car and That's grabbed the handbrake. Crazy. And the funniest part of that always like, I've been trying to... Um, like, I've been trying to finish off my, like, driving test stuff, but Corona doesn't want me to be great to actually do the test. Uh, so it's like, bro, like, how are you going to pass the test whenever they open this thing up? If you, if you can't remember which one is the, the handbrake and the gear stick. So, yeah, that was my profound failure of the week for sure. Um, did big, big, big <laughs> meetings, but don't know the difference between a handbrake and a gear stick. I mean, being on Corona, you haven't been able to practice. Oh, man. <laughs> okay and Rebecca what have you failed out um okay so mine's kind of also a prolonged failure I was supposed to I mean you already know I've been supposed to start gymming but obviously lockdown so we can't go to the gym um so I said okay I'm gonna start going on morning runs like I did it once and it was great but then yeah we didn't really you know carry that out this week so we go again Rebecca Rebecca this is terrible <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I can't speak for myself, like, I'm not doing anything, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into the real questions. Okay, so Tony, as I'm, lo- as I'm sure, like, a lot of our listeners um, have seen your stories, and maybe they've heard um, the Mental podcast, where you talk a lot about Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, just, like, the NBA in general, um, and you talk a lot about, or use the analogy, like, a ring, right? Um, and for listeners, that's like an NBA championship, winning an NBA championship. So the first kind of question that I wanted to ask you um, was, how do you define a ring for yourself personally in terms of success and in terms of accomplishment? I think I think that's a, a really, really good question. Um, and I think it's probably like kind of two parts to it. Um, I think the whole ring analogy thing for me was just, like I kind of grew up playing sports, um, and like watching it to a degree like I'm not like a super avid football fan like I think I'm one of the only guys I know that doesn't support a football team or really actively watch one but like I'm always really like into I think greatness so I'll follow the best athletes in like every sport and watch their highlights or games if that makes sense so I think that's kind of where I got that idea and like I really just got obsessed with like the idea of um how do I explain it like again as I said like really winning at that highest level like all of these athletes have trained their whole lives. They're all great athletes, but like, it's like one person like wins an Olympic gold medal or like one team gets an NBA like ring, as you said. And it's like, it's just really interesting to me. Um, so how did the concept happen for me? I think I was literally, you know, the same friend that I would, that we had the, the gear stick handbrake disaster with. 
he's an athlete. So I was talking to him about like, it's interesting because if you were in music or if you're an athlete, you kind of hear a crowd scream your name or like people come and watch what you do. It's a very public thing. And I think in like the entrepreneurship space, like, you don't really get that. Like unless you kind of go and scream for yourself, which like you, you get to do like within limit, but like it gets a bit annoying after a while. Like you, <laughs> like nobody comes and gives you a ring. Like I think at the pinnacle of your career, you might get a Forbes cover, but like nobody's coming to like watch you perform. <laughs> so I think like the rings thing came as like me saying, okay, this is, this is deciding that this particular achievement means something to me. This is the equivalent of getting a ring or this is the equivalent mm. of being rookie of the year. And the interesting thing is you get to decide that, right? Like you get to decide what a ring is for you. Um, and my, my standards are pretty high, I think probably comparatively, but if like, if you got like a great grade on one assignment and the whole year didn't go well, you could still say that's a ring for you if you would, if you had a bad year. So I think for me, like my rings tend to be around like, okay, like we've raised X amount of funds for the company or we've got this like amount of customers signed up. Or I got this final grade, like it's big events, but they don't have to be like that. And like you have to win a playoff before you win a championship. So like you can you celebrate all of them as they go. I don't know. That was a very long winded answer of, of not really saying anything. <laughs> no, it was really good. I mean, yeah. it kind of what you were saying towards the end kind of leads me on to my next question, which is, do you think that your definition of how you define a ring now will change as you get more successful in your career or even personally um, and as you get older? You know, like, it's funny. I had this I had this moment, right, where... Um, so myself and some friends in the ACS committee when I was in second year at university, so gone past two years now, um, started this thing called the Motherland Conference, and it was really excited. We had a bunch of really cool speakers come down to Cambridge. Um, Stormzy um, um, was one of the speakers. I got to interview him. We raised tens of thousands of pounds in sponsorship. And, like, it... I thought that was going to be a huge ring in terms of how I felt. Like I slept for like four hours a day for like three weeks. Like, and that's not like, that's not like me, like doing that, like toxic hustle virtue signaling where I like, I work so hard. It's just like that genuinely was what it was. Like we weren't, because so many things went wrong. It's the first time that we planned anything. Like it's a bunch of 18, 19 year olds trying to put together an international conference. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of things that I did in that period that like, have really developed my leadership because they were such woeful leadership choices. Um, and, you know, I had a, a personal bereavement at the time and I was really trying to work through, um, like, the pain almost. So, like, if I just focused on my hustle, I didn't have to think about that bereavement, if that made sense, that it just happened. Yeah. Um, and I thought that what would happen is that I'd get to the end of that conference, I'd have the moment where I'm giving the closing speech and everything would feel like worth it all the sacrifices I made all the people I had gotten annoyed in the process like all like the people in my team who were vexed at me like I thought that would be fine and I I gave the closing speech everybody's clapping for me but I felt absolutely nothing like I was like bro is, is that it like was that it and it's funny like I had some massive weeks this like wins this week and I came on Instagram and I did my little like win video reel compilation but in in the in, in reality like I tend to really almost feel nothing right now, like anymore when I get the successes. And I think that's because I like when I had that experience at the start of second year, I realized that I kind of have to love the whole process of what I'm doing. And like every part of it has to feel like a win. Like even the like 
even like when we're it like so lockdown there's no gym like even if it's 6 p.m and it's freezing and we're outside training like that's part of the win for me now as opposed to just the times where we break our personal records so I think like even in the very short time like I've really reframed how I think about winning because you can only have like a couple of big wins a year like you can only graduate with a cool grade once right but like yeah that doesn't just come like you don't just wake up and that happens like there's a lot of graft that that goes behind that and if you killed yourself and you didn't actually enjoy the process of studying or at least try and trick yourself into doing so like you can look at the graduation certificate and be like this is kind of worthless to me um graduation means so much to me because I know like what I know what I put into it like if that makes sense um, in terms of looking to the future, you know, I talk to Rick about this all the time. Like Rick is always talks is always telling me that like net worth doesn't matter. Like it's just another opportunity to to play bigger and better. Like the more success you have, the more opportunities you have to like be flexible and to be free, um, but to not like get attached to any specific amount of wealth or like influence that you want to have. It's just yeah. getting the opportunity to keep playing bigger games. Um, and I think that's something that it will probably change for me. The older I get, the more I achieve my dreams. I think I'll just probably miss this stage, which is like, I feel like I'm on the cusp of a lot of things that like I've worked hard for. Um, there's still a lot more years of work to do. Um, but I think like if I'm 50 and I'm on a yacht somewhere, I really think I'll look back to being 21, 22 and being like, gosh, like I, I wish I was hungry and like chasing something again. Because I really think that's where, where I'm happiest. That's so interesting. I've actually... Um heard a lot about how you really have to embrace the str- what the struggle and like rephrase how you see the struggle or reconvene how you see the struggle because that's often how um you know, the people that win big they thrive on failure they mm-hmm. thrive on a challenge um and I guess that's literally what this whole podcast is about right uh, yeah. um, so I love that yeah exactly and I also love the point about kind of making every step of the process a win. It's kind of changing the focus from just the outcome to the process and everything you learn from it and kind of giving yourself your own drive and motivation to keep pushing. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and I guess... If, so, sorry, were you saying something? Oh, no, I was just, I was just reflecting. <laughs> I was just reflecting. I was reflecting, I was reflecting on, a few, on a few moments that taught me that. Like, I was just trying to stop myself oh, from yeah. laughing at some disastrous, <laughs> some disastrous <laughs> moments. <laughs> I mean, kind of like building on from that, do you feel like there have been any failures or challenges that have kind of defined the person you are or your career trajectory or kind of your mindset in general? Yeah, I think, I think like, I think that there's like two big, like there's lots, as I said, I was laughing because I can, you know, I think there's this really easy thing that can happen when people like see you and maybe say that, you know, you're a good speaker or that you're, you're polished, whatever that means, or, um, have charisma or whatever the word is and think like it's crazy easy and I think it's just because like I failed woefully so many times mm-hmm. so early and like that's kind of what allows you to, to have a few successes um so yeah I think the two ones that really stuck out in terms of like informing like my career journey is I think like I did I did a 10-week internship at like a very well-known investment bank I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the name um Oh yeah, like bro, I don't really care. Um, I did a, a <laughs> yeah, like nobody's gonna gotta come and come and beat me. Um, yeah, I did a ten week internship at Goldman Sachs, firstly in, in private wealth management, but um, I kind of got headhunted to move to the um the oil sales desk, and 
yeah, that 10 weeks was just nuts. Like, I learned so much. And both of my, both of, like, I did a, an internship there in first year and then got a return mm. offer for second year. Mm. But, like, I just lived life like someone that I never want to live life again. Like, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. And, like, I was, like, I, I got migraines. Like, I was off work for, like, four days because I got migraines from just being sleep-deprived. And that has actually nothing Jeez. really to do with the culture of the organization. Like, I actually love a lot of the people that I met there. I learned so much. But the way that, the way things are structured just didn't really work with my rhythms. So I've always yeah. been a night owl. And I do my best work at night. And I need to be alone. Mm. Like, I, like, if a library has someone in it, I can't focus. Like, I was joking about being forgetful, but that's really, really, really my truth. And it's a situation where, like, on the trading floor, it's crazy active. So if everybody is about, yeah. I actually cannot think, um, mm. which means that when everybody's leaving at, like, six or seven, my work day has just begun. Because the whole day, I wasn't mm. doing anything. Like, everybody was like, mm. oh, you have the best network as an intern in the firm. It's like, because, bro, like, there's nothing for me to do than to go around and have conversations, because <laughs> until, <laughs> until y'all leave, I can't work. So then I'm working from there till, like, seven to two a.m., like I walked to, to the flat I had in Southwark and then because I'm on the trading floor, we start at seven. So I would have slept four hours and came back. Obviously, when that four yeah. hours sleep compounds over 10 weeks, like yeah. you are a shadow of yourself. And I think that's just when I realized like, OK, maybe I'm not built to work in this environment and maybe I'm not yeah. like built to be in banking or even to be in corporate. And I think that's when entrepreneurship really started to become interesting to me because it's like, I dictate my hours now. Like I'm, yeah. it's not like an Instagram hustle. I'm my own boss. Like, look at me. It's just genuinely like <laughs> the work still gets done. Like we were doing contracts yeah. at 11 PM yesterday, but like I was the person who told the team, like, are we all good to do a call at 10 PM? Everybody said, yeah, if they didn't, they could have said no. And like, we work at the times that work for everybody else. But I think I really needed to like feel what it feels like to be 20 years old and like aged, like that summer aged me um yeah and then the other one is like people always say like um now like with our pitching like when you pitch for an investment or you pitch to a customer you um like for our company I have our pitch down to, to memory to repetition but the reason is yeah. just because you pitch so many times and so many people just tell you your idea is terrible or it's just woeful like or you even get like you even the first time I did a pitch for another project for another like business idea like I printed it out on on our university like like paper from uni and I put it in like a plastic wallet and then I took it to see like a high net worth individual and the guy sat down and listened to my pitch by the way like but then at the end of it he was like yeah by the way kid like don't don't print like a pitch for like a significant amount of money on a piece of paper from your uni and then put it in like a plastic document wallet Jeez. like like Jesus. but again that was like that was like end of first year right like I didn't know what I was doing I was just trying to go out and do something somebody said oh like this is a cool opportunity like do you want to come help us do it I was like okay and so by the time I got to third year now I'd had so many opportunities to like fail at pitching that now that it's our company now it's a vision we want to build like we have the opportunity to 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 leverage the failure that we had because yeah we got that out of the way on, on on a different project but I mean you still fail like I, I have a, a really funny one from like two months ago where they like put us in front of this really important company that's an investor in the fund that invested in us 
and the they didn't tell us that we had the pitch so they sprung it on us but i had just finished uni so i'd gone to a hotel to literally just like rest because it was corona you couldn't travel so like i was burnt out so i was like okay let me just go and like go away for two days and try and like chill but then they put this meeting in my calendar which i can't air but i didn't bring my laptop so all i had was my phone so i'm trying to do this call on zoom on my phone and it's bugging out so that's how at the end (laughs) so that's how at the end of the like it was meant to be a half hour meeting after 15 minutes one of like the one of the senior bankers goes like you guys just stop like this is a profound waste of my time. Like, I've never seen a worse pitch than this. You know, I spent the whole... T- I sp- like, I went to the bathroom of the hotel room and I just looked in the mirror. And I don't I don't cry often, but a single a single tear was streaming down my tear. face oh, no. in the mirror. I was like, what do you mean? Like, oh this is gosh. something we've worked on for almost two years. Yeah. What do you mean this was yeah. a profound waste of your time? <laughs> so anyway, we had to send an email. At, at my big, big, big age of 21, I'm sending apology emails to people for wasting their time <laughs> that I pitched to. <laughs> oh we got a do-over, right? Like, they said, okay, come back in two days and do it again. This guy was now became my best friend after the do-over pitch. My guy was like, this is one of the most amazing opportunities I've heard in a while. You guys oh are the gosh. right team to build this, da 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 but he won't know that between that 48 hours between those meetings, after I wiped that tear in the mirror, I had to tell myself, <laughs> this guy will have to eat his words. Like, this guy will have to apologise to me after the next pitch. And I think that's the one thing I took from Goldman, which was I asked one of the guys on the sales floor, like one of the managing directors, what it is, what it do you like? What it is, what is it that you love about sales? Because sales is always the thing that's come most naturally to me. And he goes, I love the art of turning a no into a yes. And that literally has become like my life motto. And that's what I said to myself in the mirror. I was like, I'm going to have to turn that no into a yes. And the company ended up funding us, right, a couple months down the line. So like if I just cried and said, oh, we're not going to go and ask for another meeting, like I wouldn't be able to do this full time now. So that's crazy. That's actually crazy. And I mean, it seems like they like from the stories you've told us, they've been hitting you with some pretty heavy nose. Like for some people, that could literally just shatter their whole soul. Um, so guess. I imagine that like over time, you've had to build a mindset that kind of you know takes information, takes what's useful from it, and then pushes aside anything that could like shatter you. So has it been a way that you've been intentional about building that like strength of mindset to push forward through those like heavy nose? over time do you know what's funny like i think me and all of my friends are like this like me and all the guys mm-hmm. like we really like we because we can all trade stories like i think all of my yeah. friends are quite we, we all have different fields but i think like we have a pretty similar approach to life and that's why we get along but i genuinely believe all of us are a little bit unhinged or like tapped in some <laughs> way because there is a level of self-belief that is maybe unwarranted or not unwarranted like it just it's not doesn't it's not normal if that makes sense Mm. but it's also a tolerance for pain that's not normal like if you if you really Mm. think that you if you want to dare to try and do things that aren't really done like you have to accept that you're gonna have an extra share of pain that comes with it um and I think like part of it was just you know growing up and looking at you know people in my family I really respect doing really amazing things and watching the process of them building things my parents my grandparents so I kind of almost felt like maybe not that it's my birthright, but it's just like what people, I, everybody I know is trying to build something. So I feel like I just yeah. build things. That's part of who I am. In terms of like actively training my mind, I think it's exactly what you said. It's like, you've got to listen to the criticism and digest it. Like 
the technical difficulty that happened on the call meant that we wasted his time. Like, it, it's kind of objectively true. So we drilled our technical difficulties so that we never have them in a pitch again. But, like, he also projected onto, like, our business model his general frustration with the pitch. And that's not something I'm going to accept, right? Like, I can yeah. decide which part of the information I filter or not. And, like, for, like, two years... It's funny, right? Like, we pitched for a year and, like, had no success in a way. And then in the last month, we've had more people want to invest in our business than we could had capacity for. So, like, they can't both be yeah. true, right? Like, they can't... Like, yeah. it can't be, like, all those people said no and then all of a sudden we're a great idea. Like, to me, it's just, like... I have to convince myself that whatever I'm doing, like it will be respected in due time. And I think it happens with everything, right? Like it's like when I was 13 and I first started going to the gym and I weighed 50 kilos and I was super skinny. Like there's a certain level of like faith or confidence in the future that you have to have to continue yeah. to go, even though like people like would make fun of you or be like, guy, why are you here? Like it's impossible for you to make gains or whatever. But like, six seven years later and like i'm tend to be one of the stronger people in a gym i go to it's not because i'm any better than anybody it's just like you do something for seven years but you just have to learn to like what's the phrase i always have yeah, yeah i just lock in or i put blinders on like if i've said i'm gonna yeah. go and get that i'm gonna go and get that and then you telling me no just becomes extra fuel for me to just to make it more fun i don't know i don't know where that tax yeah. behavior came from but like I get, I get high, like I get no, high off of a no, like I get high off of a no. It's very strange. Like mm. uh, when Jordan does, it became personal for me. That kid, oh, guy, I was just thinking that. You know, uh, I was literally just thinking that. Again, like I don't want people in this podcast and now think I'm a madman. But like there was incidents right before <laughs> lockdown, right? Like it was really like it's like I think. So like I'd been playing. Like I set the goal from when I came into Cambridge to get a first, and. Mm. First year, I was one mark off of a 2-2. Second year, I almost got kicked out. And that's a long story. And, like, I had to get a 2-1 to stay. So I, like, got, like, a low mid 2-1. So, like, there's no actual, like, for me to say I'm going to go and get a first is actually just mm. quite an unfounded belief because I'd never got a, <laughs> I'd never got a first in Cambridge in, in my life. Well, actually, I got a first on one mock exam. And that's what even led me to think that I was good for first year exams till I found out I almost got a 2-2. Um right and like people would like friends would say oh like you're doing really well trying to grow your startup but there's no way that you could both build the startup and like get a first yeah. like guy let let one of them go like you've already got your job you've already like got a business like what do you need the first for and like to me yeah. I hadn't even I didn't believe in myself at that point but then I was like bro what do you mean like how how are you gonna tell me what my capacity is like I didn't believe mm. that I could get the mm. first but now that you've said I can't like I have to go and see if it's possible because I just don't like people saying that thing can't be done and then yeah there's lots of different moments where someone said something that became personal like a month before lockdown happened and once lockdown happened I said there's nowhere else to be like me and these books will get to know each other and it ended up <laughs> and like a lot of prayer and, and hard work and like it ended up panning out but a lot of that was literally just like I was told like this is an impossibility and I don't like that phrase it's just yeah, weird I bet <laughs> but you know it's really interesting because I'm reading um Steve Jobs's biography at the moment and you see this trait with a lot of like very successful people so for Steve Jobs for example 
a lot of like his employees described him as having this reality distortion field. So he would like profess or say things that were completely untrue or like seemed really impossible, but then it would push people to actually go and then do what was perceived that was impossible. Or even um, when he would be creating things, he was so innovative because he just didn't say no to anything. He always thought that something else could be achieved, even if it had never been done before. And he always took no's and... Um, he also used to like he's a very complex character so like you can't get into him <laughs> in five minutes but it was the way that he would respond to people disagreeing with him the way that he would um, respond to like all different forms of creativity and just believe that he could do anything like no matter if it had been done before and I, you see that as such a strong trait you see that in Elon Musk you see that in so many people so I think that's a really good trait to have so, like, I mean I, I don't want the time to go but I, it's funny like there's been so many L's I have so many anecdotes but like it's funny so like my dad my dad runs teams like has different organizations so growing up I always used to see him do these big like visioning exercises he'd get his like mm. team in the room and he would do like have his whiteboard and I'd be like five six years old kind of just watching this vicariously and I kept watching the process <laughs> as I grew up so when I was like when I now became ACS president I was like this is my first chance <laughs> to do my whiteboarding session so I said <laughs> I said so I was like I was like um you know guys like you know like everybody can have a goal like everybody has something you want to achieve this year and like there was a certain sponsorship record that had just been set by the committee before us. And like, they did really well, um, especially like from what the previous levels of sponsorship ACS used to run, like they completely changed yeah. the gauntlet. But I looked at that and I said, look, like between all of us, like most people here have a good internship. If we all go and ask our firms, they'll probably do something. Mm -hmm. So I now put down a number that I said we could go and raise. And everybody looked at me like I was a madman. Like, like people <laughs> almost got upset and it was so confusing to me. But lo and behold, we raised one and a half times that number. So we tripled the previous record. And yeah, it's crazy. The money was wired into account literally two days before the conference started, which is why so much of it was Higgy and whatever. But like, <laughs> it's hilarious because... At the end of the year, I think, like, as a team, people were like, oh, shoot, I didn't think that was possible. And I think you do mm -hmm. generally just need, like, Thomas Sankara says, like, he, he has this phrase about being grateful to the madmen of yesterday. I'll actually go find the quote because it's one of my favorites because they allow us to dream for tomorrow. It used to be my screensaver. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing it badly. But essentially, like, that capacity in your team, that capacity in your team is always there. That capacity in yourself is always there. But, like, it often takes, like, another level of of progress to like see it right so in the same vein like I was trying to raise funding and finish the degree at the same time and I still had one exam left and then one of my friends uh, got accepted to his master's at UCL got a first from his previous uni and got a grant for his startup um, all in the same week the week before my exam and that was the goal I set for myself right so I was like okay cool if like if Alpha can do this in a week then like why that then I have to that's when it became okay bet I have to go do it now but that's because I saw someone go and do it and I think that's a lot of what like I try and do on Instagram or like when I share other people's wins and stories is like I think the more you see other people go do stuff it empowers you to go and do that as well yeah. um yeah. and there's lots of guys in my life like guys who are 22 who sold their companies for millions or whatever that like make me say okay like they don't have two heads like I can figure this thing out right <laughs>
but it, it's everybody's different approaches. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's like creating your own reality. Yeah, like oh, bringing it into existence. Yeah, there's a. I'm a big fan of my quotes. There's another quote I can't remember who by, but it's like and Nipsey Hussle has a really cool remix of it. But it just is literally all all progress depends. Um, all progress. Oh, it's George. Ah. Oh. I'm gonna forget who said it, but it's it's it literally is all progress depends on the unreasonable man, um, the person who essentially bends the world to his will or her will, mm -hmm. and I think it's the same. It's like everything. It's like almost like physics. Like everything stays consistently in motion, right, until like another object opposes force on it. Yeah. Um, and I see it like that as like bending the world to like my vision or the team's vision or to whoever's vision, because it's not gonna change unless we exert a lot of force on it. Yeah. We love it. That's like that's so interesting. And actually, um, so we've actually spoken a lot in that question. <laughs> but um, um, you were talking about obviously your own startup nomad, and also you seem to have a lot of people around you who are kind of doing the same thing, right? Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you, like, failure is so I would say synonymous. It's not synonymous with startups, but it's a large part of it. It is often said that like more than seventy five percent of startups fail. So I was wondering how you have approached failure in your own startup. We've already talked about a lot of the fail failures that you've had, but even, you know, as you said, that you had a year of pitching and nothing happened. Like, what did you learn in that process? Uh, what have I learned? I've learned that you can survive on Indomie for a very long time when you're, when you're not <laughs> getting paid. Um, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a great question. I think it's two things. It's like, we actually, Ray Dalio, look, there's lots of great management in books on being a CEO, but you actually want to build a culture in your business that encourages failure. And that's something that actually as, as a team, we were all talking about like a couple of weeks ago, which is like, look, it's all, it's fine for us to fail. There's a lot of things that we got, we got, we got wrong early. Um, and that's natural where, you know, most of us are first time business owners. Um, but what it, what, what we can't have is a culture where people feel afraid to say mm -hmm. that they failed and I'm a really big in like believer in compound interest that like everything compounds positively and negatively every time you sow a seed like it comes back bigger mm -hmm. and it's like let's not like have a failure not mention it and then it comes back and bites us in the ash like three four years down the line when we could have <laughs> just we could have just sorted that contract out right now and we didn't yeah. because somebody didn't want to say that they bungled it and now all of us are suffering four years down the line because we just didn't sort a simple contract at the start. And it's the same, like, I've had errors where in the company where I've had to put my hands up, like, um, and said, look, I got something wrong in the budget. That was, that's my fault. In a pitch, we've had to do it to yeah. investors and be like, we, we, I got that wrong, right? And it's funny because people respect that, firstly, that you can put yeah. your hand up. But also, I just think in a startup, when you're trying to do something innovative, the reason that we have a huge opportunity as a business is because there's this massive problem that no one has figured out how to fix, right? And, yeah. and it'd be incredibly arrogant of us to think that on the first attempt at, at trying something, that we're just going to magically end the, the, the problem of, of, um, <laughs> of, of bringing small businesses in Nigeria into the financial ecosystem. Like, there's a reason 40 million of them aren't registered. Like, mm. I'm not, I can't just wake up tomorrow <laughs> and, like, fix that. So instead, like, what we want to do, and it's a startup term, is you want to fail fast and, like, as small as possible. And, like, mm. we just want to get the reps in, right? That's, like, it's, like, I see everything is, like, gym to me. Like, it's the same with gym. Like, I'm just trying to fail to the point where I don't die. Like, I don't want to get so tired that I drop the barbell on my 
chest and I can't get up and I'm now struggling <laughs> to breathe, but like I'm pushing myself to my furthest extent. Mm. And when we find out, okay, this is a weight I can't handle, then we say, okay, that was the wrong idea, but we're closer. We know what didn't work and we try again. And then secondly, in terms of like, so I guess that's the micro, like that's within the business. In terms of the mm. failure rate of the business, I think, look, like I, I my t- everybody in my team is better than me. And I think that's that's exactly as the leader of a business, what you want. You want everybody else to be better than you. I'm just the quarterback. I'm the facilitator. I make sure everybody has the resources they need. But it's about empowering everybody else to do what they do. And I really believe in this founding team. I don't think it's the last venture we'll build together. And really and truly, again, it comes back to that, you know, unbreakable will kind of thing. And I always try and say these things with humility because I really do mean it humbly. But I just think as a team, we're all smart enough guys um, that at some point we'll get it right. If it's not this business, it'll be another one. You know, Jason Njoku of um, Iroko TV, like he he tells this story on his blog about how when he was graduating uni, he told one of his classmates he'd be like the richest guy in, in, in that, that that person knows, which is not something I'm going around doing, by the way. But <laughs> what what followed from that is a decade of nine failed businesses and so that's pretty embarrassing you've gone and told everybody that you know i'm going to be the biggest baller you know but then on the 10th business in the ninth year iroko tv eight years after launch you have the biggest sale of a media company in west africa right so for me i just think it's a thing where like you're telling me that if i try seven businesses not one of them is going to be at least slightly successful I don't know yeah. but to me it's just I, I don't think I'm that or, or anybody and more importantly I don't think my team I don't think all of us are that bad at life that we're gonna try eight or nine <laughs> times and we're not gonna get one right I just think like genuinely yeah. I love I love what we're doing like as long as we're paid enough to eat even if we continue to, to build businesses and they all fail like we got to try at like amazing challenges and that's like to me a lot more fun than like I came in I did like I like when I was on the sales desk I paid I paced a bunch of trades and I went home like but that's just to me like even if we did yeah. fail as a startup as long as we kept getting paid so that we weren't on the streets I think it's a it's a fun game to play love that it's almost like balancing self-awareness with like self-confidence and then just pushing yeah like it, it comes back to like nobody's like nobody's gonna like it's something that like oh, who said it to me it was crazy, but someone was like, bro, someone was like, one day in the library or something, someone was like, bro, like, they're not just going to come and hand you 100M. And that, that line hit me. It's like, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's coming. Like, we have these, like, joke memes about, like, if Dangote should just wake up and dash me something. Like, but, yeah. but like, yeah. nobody's coming to just hand you 100M. Even, like, even, like, yeah. 1K, like, like, to ask your parents for £100 can sometimes be fight. So, like... Yeah. <laughs> if, if these are the things that we want to try and build these are the problems we want to try and attack like we want to try and solve hard things with great people then for me yeah it's just a situation of failure is inevitable like yeah but that doesn't mean we don't keep trying trying until until one of them one of them has to blow you seem um like very resilient in terms of your like approach to approach to failure which is just like incredible but i was wondering if maybe not now but in the past like previous failures that you'd had continue to impact you um when you were sort of doing further endeavors and how you tried to like bounce back or sort of recoup you know what? i think it's a fundamental like part of my self-image or identity right like there's a really great book that you can read like uh, growth mindset um 
versus like growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets. And I think I had a really bad fixed mindset, like when it comes to studying, like I grew up being like, I grew up like my family are really into academia and stuff. So I grew up reading a lot and I kind of found school quite easy for a lot of the time until I didn't. And that's because I coasted through school without any struggle. And like, I didn't build any foundational skills. And like, I had a fixed mindset to academia. It was like, I was that annoying kid in primary school who would like come first on the spelling test and tell everybody that I didn't go and do the practice for the spelling test. Like I just, I just needed you, I needed you guys to know that like I didn't practice. And Mm. that's what came and was again, just slapping me up and down in Cambridge is you can't come to Cambridge and say, I'm going to not go to my lecture, chop life Mm. and then think I'm going to bang first. And I had a mad, like, identity crisis, even up until, like, April. Like, I was really running away from, I was really running away from, like, this, from finding out I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Like, Mm. I had built a lot of my self-image on being a smart guy that doesn't have to work hard because I'm that smart. And Cambridge was telling me that I'm absolutely not that smart. And, like, (laughs) I, and, like, I was crippled, like, it, like, no word of a lie, it would keep me up at night thinking about what happens if I put my whole heart into working for this result and I don't get it. And the nightmare I'd have is I would be one mark off of a first and for the rest of my life, I would be burning about the fact that I got a 69. Like, it was like, it's like that, like, I don't know how to explain it, like that close to like your identity. Yeah. And when I realised yeah. like, um, again, like I'm, I always take inspiration from everything. So like, there's a great poet poem by by Theodore Roosevelt and it ends with like uh it's called the man in the arena and it just says like the credit belongs to the man in the arena and then at the end it goes and if he fails at least he fails daring greatly so that his name is never among those uh weak or feeble minds and kind of something like that um that know neither victory nor defeat and I kind of like took that last line as like that's a again that's a motto for me it's like at least I know victory or defeat like like if he fails, at least he fails damn greatly. And that became the motto for like, for like exams. And it was like, I put my whole body on the line and like, thank God it worked out. But I actually like have, like I found a video the other day of myself after I submitted my dissertation. And like, I had no regrets at that point. I knew I'd put everything I had on the line. And if they didn't like it, that's fine. But like, I knew I'd, I push myself to my edge. And I think that's where like reframing again, what success looks like to you. All I could have done in that moment is to put my best effort forth. And if they don't like what I wrote, they didn't like what I wrote. Um, So yeah, that's kind of it. And then I know I'm waffling a lot, but like in terms of failure being part of your, failure being part of your identity, I think it's again, like it's what I was trying to say about like people see you at a certain point in your life and assume you've always been like that. Like, I was always the smallest kid in my class. Like, I was always mad skinny. Like, I've been kind of like this for a long time. Like, I've always been really interested in ideas. So I never used to go outside and play with other kids. Like, I'd stay inside in, in, in break time and read as like a six, seven, eight-year-old. So I didn't really have any friends, like, when I was really young. And so, like, a lot of who I am now, like, was built through struggle. Like learning to talk to people like people always like like this morning I got a message from I spoke on a conference and I got a message and someone was like oh like you know really well done super relaxed and confident as ever and I just laughed at the text because I remember like I talked to on it about it on the podcast with Rick like talking to people used to give me crazy anxiety attacks um 
again, the same with like, again, the gym, like those are all things now that like people would comment on or people might even be envious of. And I find that really interesting because like, I know those are things that were built out of crazy struggle and like difficulty. And because I've been able to see, I guess, the transition I had from maybe when I was 13 or 14 and I really started to take personal development seriously to now and the things that's allowed me to do, like, I love, I love, I love like the struggle now because like everything I'm putting like in our group chat as a company, every day we have a bad pitch or every day we get something wrong. I keep saying, I love this. Like, I'm so grateful for this because I'm looking at me at 30 and thinking like, what is me at 30 going to be able to do? Because I'm chopping massive L's right now. Like another, like one of our co-founders said, bro, like there's no more intense place we could be right now. Like there's nothing more difficult we could re really be doing right now. And Yes, it means that I'm woefully out of my depth and every day I don't know what I'm doing. But what it does mean is like, you know, um, one day it, it will pay off. Again, another quote, but I love them. I like, they kind of become part of me. It's a, a Roman philosopher um, called Epictetus. Um, and he has this quote, it goes, be strong, one day this pain will be useful to you. And like, again, it's something I really believe. It's like, every time I take an L, like, it's useful to me. It's another brick to build with. 100%. I mean, first of all, you're going to have to send a list of all these quotes because honestly, <laughs> yeah, <for> giving <laughs> and also I guess what you're saying is kind of tying back to what you said earlier on about how these days when you get kind of like the ring or you come to the end of the journey and you have the success, it doesn't really feel like all that. Um, and I guess that's because for you, every part of it is important. Like the journey is important. What you learn from it is important. And that's kind of what defines the success and who you are more than just what you get at the end. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. Guys, the inspiration that I'm feeling from this, the way I'm going to work today. Yeah, I was going to say, even, yeah. even me too, I was thinking T. Like, like sometimes I can be very useless in life, but right now I'm thinking, you know what T, let's go and mash some words after this after this podcast. Honestly, honestly, um, okay, so I guess kind of, not really like changing track, but looking to something a little bit different. Um, I guess you've spoken a lot about how there have been times where you had like four hours of sleep and how every day seems to be a very hectic day, packed up and down meetings all across the country. Um, so how do you feel like you would define like mental health for yourself personally? And do you feel like sometimes there's a trade-off maybe with trying to push all these things out and get in all these hours and kind of the state of your mental health? I, I think that's a, a super, I think that's a super great question. Um, and it's actually, think I think the one that's like most challenging for me is that, I think that it can be dangerous. That's one thing I do fear is that I don't think, I can't imagine something that would break me at this current moment. But to me, that's kind of like almost what makes me afraid in a way. Like, I think if you if you have 100% confidence in anything, that's when you should kind of start like interrogating that and like looking for where there are, there are holes. And yeah, I think like for me, because I've taken on a lot of like psychological load, I think, like not with any luckily not anything like traumatic or anything bad it's like I put it on myself growing up um, yeah. and a lot of pressure and I, I thrive under pressure like I definitely have had one experience I can think of where I pushed that too far and like that month was a blur like I don't remember leaving my room at uni etc etc mm. and like I think I've definitely like in was it probably a month or two months like I, I've definitely like kind of um I'm losing the word, but essentially promised myself that I would do everything I can to not like, to not burn out like that. Um, and I think, look, like 
part of me being like up and down hustling is just kind of a function of my personality like I think a lot of people yeah. see me on Instagram and be like oh like I need to like run around it's like no bro like that's probably a personality disorder to be honest like it's probably a psychological and Im- like probably a chemical imbalance like um yeah so um it's funny like um I like I was meant to get an ADHD test at the end but then lockdown happened so like I always joke like I don't run on the same motor as everybody else like that's one thing I'm pretty sure about is like um not like it's not exceptionalism but I've always just worked differently and approached things differently so I also think it's always important to kind of frame it away from like just about my mental health but it's like I think it's really important for other people to not look at what other people do and then think that's how I have to approach the game because actually for me a big part of the process has been looking at everybody else and being like actually whatever those people do I should probably do the opposite because I just run differently and so that's kind of like I studied very differently from everybody else and that's what worked out for me and I think that was really important for my mental health and being like bro like you just you are a unique individual and you have to learn to work with yourself and be patient with yourself and if things aren't moving as fast as you want sometimes the answer is to just walk away and rest even though that's not in your nature because if you keep flooring the gas the car is going to break um and there's this analogy from a book on ADHD that like potentially saved my life uh which is like it basically talks about it as like ADHD is like driving a Ferrari and like you have to drive a Ferrari like if you have a fast brain you have to drive a Ferrari differently than you would drive um like a a normal S like a like a Jeep or like a just a normal family car and like I don't know how true that is on a biological level but that idea like helped me because I was like oh yeah it's true like I've always been able to like do things kind of study kind of quicker but like also I need more recovery time so like I can't treat a Ferrari like it's a g-wagon because if I just keep trying to trying to drive through the mud in this Ferrari we're now going to be very stuck and it's going to be a very woeful tale um so yeah I think in terms of mental health it's like realizing that a lot of pressure is inherent in the game I'm building like I'm building in and like entrepreneurs have some of the worst mental health there is um and like being intentional about like finding out what rest means and looks like for me which is very different to other people and being fine with that and like talking to friends like if you have to put a calendar to like calendar reminder to talk to your friends then so be it that doesn't make you a bad friend it just means that like bro that's what it is um but yeah it's a super important question because i i don't think about it a lot personally um which is again something for me to work on I think you made a really interesting point as well about um, em- like when people try and emulate someone else. And I think often people try and emulate people like wholly and entirely um, without actually necessarily knowing the person. Like, you know that tweet you put on your story the other day of people like posting stories like you? Oh, and that yeah. made me laugh so much because I've seen it like so much now. Um, but I think that's an important lesson there, right? Because like often it's more important about like maybe taking certain lessons or certain traits but you don't have to emulate someone entirely because ultimately that person is not you and they're not going to have the same context the same beliefs the same um mental health or same like surroundings as you and therefore you have to just pick and choose what actually works best for you rather than just trying to emulate someone entirely especially when you just don't know them yeah and I think it's really easy to be like oh 
X person has done Y, so I need to do Z. And it's like, bro, like, you don't know who their daddy is. Like, you don't know, like, what, you don't know what. Like, that's not to discredit anybody for anything because that's something that, like, I find really annoying is when people say, oh, but he has X, Y, Z. And you always have to, like, contextualize the successes you're able to have because sometimes you do have privileges and that's definitely true in my case to some extent. But it's like, you can't, I can't be like, like, Dangote has succeeded amazingly and is an example of, you know, how to build big on the continent. But like he didn't build out of the mud. And like if you if if you if you didn't come from a wealthy family and then you're saying, I need to be that caked by a certain age, you can just apply some pressure mm-hmm. on yourself that you don't need to apply. And so I think it's like, as you said, really about taking in every like everything about that person. And also it's just like a thing of like not everybody can be Michael Jordan. Like, there's, like, you know, like, as he said, like, as Michael Jordan said, everybody on my team ended up getting a ring because we played as a team. And obviously, MJ had a huge contribution to that. But, like, everybody on the team had a role. And, like, there's a great segment about how they had to change the structure of how the team played so that everybody worked as a cohesive unit. And, like, if you Google how much a COO makes... The, the highest paid chief operating officer, which tends to be kind of like the second in a business, they get paid millions too. Like all of an executive team in a well-functioning business also yeah. gets paid highly. And that's like, <laughs> that's something I think like loads of people our our like age, like love to say I'm CEO of X. And it's like, I am one. Mm. And I promise you, if I could just be head of business development, which is what I like doing, I would because the stress and accountability (laughs) like you don't need to put it on your head top for no reason like employee number 23 at snapchat like he bought his girlfriend (laughs) his girlfriend is a Victoria's Secret model his fiance now is a Victoria's Secret model he bought her a $250,000 engagement ring he was employee number 23 so you don't have to be you don't have to be you don't have to be the boss like as long as we're all building a great vision (laughs) together and everybody plays their role everybody can drive Lambos and I think like that happens a lot it's like everybody's like no I have to be number one I have to be the center yeah but like I think that's always been my philosophy is like I want all my team to eat and like and loyalty is always rewarded as long as like we get to the finish line like we will all share the proceeds of the win yeah for real also like cause that's the thing like if everyone wants to be a leader who's gonna be who are they leading yeah like, like? <laughs> you all be fighting amongst each other yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna say like it's a that's, a that's a big part of Instagram culture and like I always try and address it because I feel at least maybe within our little bubble like I'm a contributor to it so it would make sense to like also caveat it it's just like also like it's a thing where like I think you can't post a win every week like a huge like it's almost impossible to get a to do a massive announcement every week and like I think Mm. if you if you're doing the thing to make the announcement or you're like it's I don't know it just you almost don't execute the project as well as you could or whatever Mm. because you're doing it to say hey I just launched x or I've just been like appointed y um and like I completely get the the pressure to do that because I think everybody feels like if they don't look like they're on job or doing something with their life it, it can just feel depressing but like it genuinely does have to be like play your game um like it's literally your game like like it, at the end of the day oh there's another great there's another podcast like where he says basically at the end of the day like it's like you and your bank balance is what he said like he's like only you know what's in your bank like and like that's about your finances but I I take that principle to be like only you at the end of the day knows if you're happy like like 
all of the like wins that you have externally, if you're not happy, like it's long. And I definitely think I've been there where it's like there was probably positions I took or like board roles I took that I didn't have to take because like at this point you're just padding your CV with more stuff that you could just be more efficient if you stepped back and just did what you're like really passionate about. And so, yeah, like I just think it's a thing where I get that the job market is crazy competitive and everybody feels like they need to be doing more and getting it earlier. But also like you can't come and kill yourself in the process of like trying to try to prove something to your to your cousin or your auntie or whatever like (laughs) facts absolute facts um okay so our last like well least main question kind of moving into more personal territory we're getting a bit (laughs) out the business side um so we were wondering um if there have been any sort of personal failures that you've had or that really speak to you in they can be in any sort of relationship, so family, like, girlfriend relationship or your friendships. Maybe they have something to do with um, having, like, a crazy work-life balance or even just outside of that, if there's been any failures that you've really learned um, about with your personal relationships. It's like failures in my personal relationships. Oh, gosh. Mm. <laughs> he said, oh, gosh. <laughs> so wiping his eyes, oh, guys. <laughs> He's getting stressed. Do you know what? Like, it's it's really difficult because I think with business, like, business is about people, right? Like, you mm. build teams and you, like, you have you have customers and if you're a certain type of business, you also have to manage your investors. But, like, you mentioned Steve Jobs earlier. Like, Steve Jobs was not the greatest people's person. Like, right? So, but you can, like, succeed. Like, depending on how you, like, I think there's a difference between achievement and success, right? Like, you can definitely achieve big things and not, like, not manage people well or your relationships well i'm not sure if i'd call it success if your relationships are in dire straits but yeah there's definitely been times where like with friendships i like yeah like if i was chasing a bag i'd forget to text someone or call someone and it's become something where like i put everybody who's a friend of mine's birthday in my calendar and at the start of the day like I'll check is it anyone's birthday and I'll make sure to text or call them and I have to make it like if that sounds so like unromantic in a friendship context but it's just like the truth because it's cause fight and to me I didn't like to me like I'm not that sentimental like I don't know it's, it's again it goes back to being tapped like I really just am passionate <laughs> about the things I want to build so for me it's like yeah. let's just let's just go build something like is there like a new idea like is there a podcast we can be on like I, I'm not always like thinking how does this affect other people like bef- until like I had until I saw people get annoyed at like me forgetting to be at their thing um and I think yeah as you said like in relationships is, is where you, you learn it the most like I'm not going to talk too much but you learn that you have to like to like acquiesce to other people and I think that can be very very difficult if you're a very headstrong or determined person because what makes you successful in one arena is not is not what makes you successful in others and I actually think in your family like what makes you successful professionally can often be like the complete opposite of what 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 helps you in terms of building your family and I think my dad is a great example of someone who I've watched who has made that balance um, almost perfectly between how he handles himself professionally and when he comes home and there's like two, almost two different men you see there and I think that's something that I've been working on building over time is like I like 
my approach to just bashing my head on every problem until the problem breaks is not how I should like treat my relationships with my closest people like it's not about winning them to my way it's about hearing them and like understanding their feelings etc etc so yeah I think that's a, a really that's definitely one that's a continuous work in process like progress for me how have you um because you say that you're friends with a lot of the people that you're working on nomad with for example have you ever had sort of like conflicts that, well you must have because that's part of working with people but how have you like work uh, managed that kind of like colleague partner slash friendship um mm. relationship if you're now having to manage conflict do you know what like it's tough because there's like there's like bread involved. Like it's tough because it's like it's like it's not like you can't walk you also can't walk away in a way. Like we are legally bound as an entity and like we all really we're all here because we believe in this idea. So it's like if we really fundamentally disagree and like I'm like at least me anyway, I can only speak to myself, like I'm doing calculations as to like how much is this about to cost me if we get this wrong. And that's just kind of how I like sometimes look at things. But as you said, because they're, they're your friends and we were all friends before we started building this and it actually was like, oh, like the two of us have this great idea. Who has that sick skill set? I has that skill set. Like FA came up, like, like that's how it happened. Like our friendship always has to come first. And so we always have this weird thing where like we'll be on a group FaceTime or a group Zoom and tensions will get high, but then we'll hop off and then I message the other a call, and then, like, the call is actually so blessed, like, outside of it, it's almost like, it's almost like Zoom has allowed us, because most of the intense work has been over the last six, seven months, which has coincided with lockdown, so it's almost like when we're on the Zoom as a team, whatever has happened is, like, the beef, and then the moment we hang off the Zoom, we've just kind of got a culture where, like, everything is blessed, and I think that's because, like, the relationship foundations were deep, before we started getting into business and we got into yeah. business because of trust and I've been in teams where I felt exposed because I didn't know if like that person really had my back or whatever and I kind of swore to myself after that experience that I was never going to work on a team that like I didn't know all the, like I didn't know all the members of the team beforehand because otherwise you signed yourself up for just frustration until that project is ended um and so I think what that looks like for us practically is that there's this phrase, which is like play long-term games with long-term people. Um, and like Rick also kind of talks about it a lot, being long-term greedy. What I just learned is like, I've done, you know, projects with other people, older and younger. And like, I was always just taught by my dad to kind of like leave, leave more on the table for the other person. And like, that's mm -hmm. the most selfish approach long-term is like, if your friends and the people who transact with you feel like they're always getting a good deal or like they're list or like they're listened to or that you're like taking their considerations into account that's the most greedy thing you can do for yourself long term so if, i think for me because we all really believe in that mantra and we all believe in the like everybody eats philosophy we say it all the time like fundamentally things just get resolved and the reason the conflict spurs is because we all just really want to see this business grow we're all really passionate about, about this this mission we have to empower small businesses. So yeah. any fundamental disagreement is coming from a place. That's it. My, my co-founder, Ayo, calls it, we always assume positive intent. So we never like think that anyone's being malicious or anyone's acted mm -hmm. in foul play. Like even if they did, like we always assume that this came from like a good place. And so we always like work on good faith. And I think like 
that's it. Like, there's not a lot of suspicion, and and that really helps us run things. Um, but that's just us. Um, every team dynamic is different. I love that. I think that's such a good team dynamic. God knows I've been on teams where everyone's fighting, no one's friends with each other. It's just terrible. There's one organization that tends in every university to have that dynamic. <laughs> and I don't know what it We're is. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've genuinely tried to do a research into why is it always that organization? It had me traumatized for a while. I said, I'm never going to work with my people again. But then my love for my people brought me back. But it's okay. I, I mean, I would be very interested to read that research because, wow, it's like a universal thing. Anywhere you go, anyone you ask. Oh, man. <laughs> I've suffered in my short life. (laughs) (laughs) Tough times never last. Tough times never last. Yeah, for real. Tough people last. (laughs) Oh, man. Man, but this has been an incredible conversation. And the next thing I'm going to ask is probably going to be the hardest because you've dropped so much wisdom, so many gems. But if you had kind of one last piece of advice or wisdom across any area of life to leave to the listeners, um, what would it be? And then also following on to that, you know, what's coming up, what's next, what are you working on? You know, we want to hear it. Sure. Look, I think I think it's 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 like twofold and it's like one is gonna sound mad mad preachy pretentious, but I think like this it like <laughs> it's like for me, like whatever happens, it's always been a, a like a like genuinely like a God first kind of thing in the sense that like being super like determined about my vision or being headstrong or like like refusing to accept that like what I see in my mind won't become a reality. It's because like I really believe that like like God has my back in that sense. Like it's like it feels like me and God and if, if that doesn't like how how are you gonna beat that combination? That's just like my belief system. Um and I think I say that just because it tempers the other thing that I'm gonna say which can be misinterpreted, which is like I really think you have one life and you're just meant to chop that life. Like not like in context of what I said stupidly recklessly, but what I mean by that is like you could really go any given day and like, so like I'm trying to write a book right now and I can't lie. It's been one of the most difficult things. Like the thought of sitting down and and mashing keys is just really difficult for me. Although like I'm an all right writer, I just don't, the process is really difficult for me. But the thing I keep saying is like, God forbid I pass like I wouldn't have left the substantial body of my thoughts if that makes sense and that doesn't matter to everybody but that matters to me is like there wouldn't be a lasting document where someone could say oh that's that's what Tony was thinking at that point in his life on this topic like and so like that's really important to me is to like get that out of myself so at least there's something that outlives me and I think that's kind of my go-to phrase is like building things that outlive me and like that's a function of I just want to do as ama- like as many things that come to my brain as possible. So like right now it's fintech, but like I'm so sure that I will like fund a movie at some point or whatever. Cause I just want to chase like seeing what can be done. And I think it's the exact same approach that I'd want to leave with people is like, don't let anybody tell you like the things that you see in your head don't make sense. Like you have one life. And are you going to then be at the end of your life whenever it comes and just be upset at everybody around you for killing your dream? Because that doesn't change the fact that you didn't get to live that. Um, so, yeah, just absolutely go and do it. And the, and the approach that um, I take with that is just I do things for the memories. Like vibes is my is my catchphrase. Like I'll just be like, look, yes, bro, sir. like whatever <laughs> happens, vibes. Um and because, like, I think that's why I have so many silly stories that I can tell on a podcast. Like, I didn't even get into the into the actual crazy ones. Is because, like, living on with an approach of, like, vibes. Like, building this business to me is vibes. Like, I, I don't think there's anything cool I could be doing right now 
than like mm-hmm. trying to build a platform for small businesses to like and like to what to, to be able to open bank accounts and to be able to grow faster like to me that's the coolest thing i could be doing right now like and that helps stop procrastination etc because once you're convinced like this is the coolest thing i could be doing right now then why wouldn't i like go hard at it so i think that is like just go and basically do what you want to do is my advice which is basically the advice of everybody in life at all times but like genuinely like go and do what you want to do and then in terms of like what i'm working on as i said it's going to be a long couple of years trying to build this business um i start work full-time on monday i've been full-time for ages but like it's finally official which is exciting like this business feels like it's real now um so that just means a lot of building product a lot of flying in and out of nige a lot of um working with customers working with our partner organizations to build and then yeah finishing up on writing this project um it's called study cheat codes it's just trying to kind of how do you study as efficiently as possible so that you can either go and uh go and hustle hard or party hard one whichever one is is your flow um so i kind of (laughs) joke it's for the busy and the lazy um, and it's just everything I learned from like being a terrible student um, and, and I somehow made it out fine. So those are the two things I'm focused on. Um, and yeah, that's that's me for now. Yeah, that's crazy. I think 2020 has really shown that you just have to live life and have fun because like this year has been awful in so many ways and we're lucky to even be here. Um, and it really just shows that you just need to do what you want to do because last last you can't blame on anyone else it was you that made the decision Um, but thank you so so much Tony this has been such a good episode it's also been really long but a really good episode (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realise how long it had been but it's been so good quantity and quality all the way through as in as we said vibes um Vibes. Um, but yeah thank you so much to everyone that is listening thank you again tony for coming on and if you haven't subscribed already you better subscribe right now um but yeah we'll be back next week with another episode go check us out on instagram go check out tony out on instagram he always has very funny stories and very enlightening stories where you can hear some more gems that he hasn't already dropped on this podcast um but yeah thank you so much for listening guys and we will see you next week Bye, Bye, guys.